Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It is Father's Day today. Happy Father's Day to all my brotherly fathers out there. And it's also Eclipse, the 21st of June, solar eclipse here in India. I think in the most of the Middle East we'll see it today. And uh, it is just another beautiful day uh, to serve the Lord. We are going to be reading today from John chapter 7. And we are going to read verses 25 through 36. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from, and when Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. But I have come of my no, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, When Christ appears, he will do more signs than this man has done. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer than I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me where I am. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said one to another, Where does this man intend to go that he will not find? That we will not find him. Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying you will seek me and you will not find me? And where am I? You cannot come. Brilliant. So that is our passage of scripture today. And I kind of want to focus in on the crowds a little bit here for the first point, because um, crowds of people gathering together, they come up with some very interesting truths and revelations about who Christ is. And of course, then they also have lots of questions about who Jesus is. And if we uh, can go back just a little bit further, they even uh, are, are so disagreeable amongst each other. And it's kind of interesting. So like uh, just a little bit further back than what our passage reading today was in verse 15, they say, how is it that this man uh, has learning? And then in verse 20, they say, who is seeking to kill you? Um, And they even say, it's like he has a demon. And then uh, in verse 25, as we read today, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And, And then in verse 26, can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? Verse 27, but we know where this man comes from. And verse uh, again in verse 27, when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. And in verse 30, they were um, seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. And then in verse 31, yet many people believed on him. And so, I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to look at a crowd because what crowds do or mobs do is they gather together and attempt to persuade and to exacerbate a situation and then assuage the person or persons of power to see things their way. Uh, In other words, crowds um, take um, multiple views, and then those views kind of merge into one thought, and in the end, there there is one voice that a crowd will kind of speak with, and it's kind of interesting to me that that happens um, in this moment of what we're reading in John chapter 17. I mean, we have a, a crowd, they go, wow, this Jesus guy, he's really smart. And then, and then they are like, 
whoa, this guy is crazy. He thinks somebody's trying to kill him. And then, they, then they're talking like, wait, wait, isn't this the guy that those guards over there, they just came in here. Aren't they trying to arrest him and kill him? And then everybody's like, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then the question goes, but, but wait, they're not arresting him. Why aren't they arresting him? And then somebody in the crowd says, well, maybe he's the Messiah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's the Messiah. That's why they don't, uh, they don't dare harm him. And then wait a minute, wait a minute, somebody else says, wait, uh, Messiah is supposed to come suddenly, as it says in Micah, or as it says in Isaiah 53, or Micah chapter 5, uh, or chapter 3, um, verse 1 of Micah, or, or, uh, and, then, and then they're like, well, wait, wait, wait you know what? We know where this guy comes from. You know what? Somebody says, I know his parents. And another person goes, me too. And then somebody says, this isn't the Messiah. And then a group of the people say, well, we think he is the Messiah. And all of these things are going on. All of these questions are being thrown out there. And it's not much different than the world is today. 2000 plus years later, we have people running around saying Jesus is the Messiah. And we have people running around saying Jesus is not the Messiah. And then we have people saying, well, I can prove that he's the Messiah. And then we have people saying, I can disprove he's the Messiah. And there's all these questions that are always going on in the world, depending on what TV shows you watch, what podcasts you listen to, what kind of music you listen to, depending on what kind of friends you have. We have all these different people vying for our attention. And yet it all boils down to one of three things. Um, uh, this back and forth of our belief and our unbelief, and that is belief in Messiah or belief in Jesus is not a community choice. It's not a family choice. It's not a, a choice that my village gets to choose. It's not a choice that um, my people group gets to choose. Uh, it's not a community choice. Belief in Jesus is personal in nature. However, belief in Jesus is also supposed to be shared with the community or it's to be shared in the community. In other words, belief in Messiah is to be proclaimed to those that are closest to us, that are in our community, that are our friends, that are our family. That is the message of Jesus is that he came for everybody, but he also came individually for me. This isn't, some, this isn't something my Christianity, my life as a follower of Jesus is not something that I just hold to myself and I keep to myself and I only talk about in my private little closet and I don't let anybody else know. At the same time, it's not something that I go out and beat people over the heads or hold a gun to their face and say, you're going to believe in Jesus or else. And so this is where we, where we lie. So I, I, I'm, just, I'm just curious. I have a few questions here. Um, did you notice that Jesus is not upset and he does not um, yell at the crowd for their um, wavering in their beliefs? Did you, did you notice that? Yeah. And so what are your thoughts on that? Is it, is it okay to question God? And why is it okay to question God? Is it okay to to doubt God? And why is it okay to doubt God? What do you think? All right. What is, what is proper doubt? Or what are proper questions that we can ask? Because, I mean, obviously there's some kinds of questions and doubts that are harder to um, explain or come up with than others. And so what is, uh, I, I'm just kind of asking questions along the same line. What is uh, the people, they're having doubts here and, they're, and they're, they're hashing them out, if you will. They're talking them out. They're speaking them out. And they're having other people share and give advice. Is that a good thing? Is that a good idea? Is it okay to doubt God? 
I believe it is perfectly okay to doubt God. And, I mean, questioning Jesus is no different than questioning uh, your schoolwork or your teacher or your parents and their judgments. It's a natural human thing that we all do is we all question something. And the nice thing about questioning is if the person understands where you're coming from and your question, they'll give you an answer. And Jesus here... He's listening to them that way he and he answers them those few times they have those questions because he comes he, they're asking the questions and he doesn't he's going to let them come up with their thought and formulate their question and then once they've asked it he answers them and gives them a solid answer and why it is and uh questioning God isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just that whenever you start letting that doubt and questioning God take over everything and not really wanting to hear from God and listen to what his answer is, but just saying the question out loud and you're like, oh, well, if you're such a great God, then why don't you do this? And not waiting for him to answer you, you just let it be and continue your life and then have more doubts and more questions like that and you just become... Uh, deeper and deeper in more of a depression state instead of really trying to listen and learn from the Bible and what God tells you personally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, when it comes to when it comes to questioning God, like the like the people, the crowds are doing here, what they're doing is, is they're trying to find the truth. And isn't that exactly what Jesus says? He says, I, I am from the one who is true and I speak the truth. And, and he does, he exactly answers these kinds of questions for them. And so along that line, um, with Jesus not getting upset, not being vindictive, not trying to destroy the people because they're asking questions, does he um, show that he loves us by answering our questions? Does he show us that he's a person of peace by being there amongst our questions? Does he, does he prove his godliness in these moments, or does it just create more questions among the crowds? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, um, because I, I see it as this, the, the, the balance between belief and unbelief or belief and doubt is a personal choice, and yet it is something that affects the whole of our community. Um, in other words, uh, what I believe as the father of my family, uh, then I teach to my children and then they are going to teach a semblance of what I teach to my grandchildren, and it's going to continue to be passed on, possibly. However, I can live in such a way that my kids have no idea who I am and have no idea what my belief system is, have no idea who I am as a person, um, and that also gets passed on to the next generation. And, and so as an effect of what I do personally can affect my microcosmic family. In other words, how I talk, how I act, how I do business, how I react to things is going to be carried on. And so my belief in Christ can be the same way. It can be carried on through my family and into the community if I live in a way that is open uh, and, and, and pleasing to God, sharing with the community exactly who he is and who he is to me. However, 
when I'm questioning God or I'm doubting God, if I even bring those things up in my family, those things are also going to be ways that my children and my grandchildren and other people in my community are going to learn of the truth of who Christ really is. And so I think that, um, that this is important that we share our belief just like the people here in this crowd are speaking up and they're sharing out loud with each other exactly what they're thinking so that that way there can be a consensus that comes forth. Um, is the back and forth uh, conversation strengthen or weaken a person's faith? Does, uh, um, okay, repeat it. Is back and forth conversation, like doubt and positivity or belief and doubt, does, does this back and forth strengthen or weaken a person's faith? I mean, it depends on the person, really. Because some people are willing to listen to both ends and come up with their own side of the story and then there's other people that will join one side and other people that will join the far other side and so like not many people will stay in the middle and hear out both sides and also listen to Jesus at the same time like some people will be with the one part of the crowd and listen to Jesus and or just be with that crowd and some people will listen to the other side of the crowd and instead of seeing both views as equal views and uh, important equally, so e valid. equally valid views and listening to what Jesus has to answer them not many people want to do that they want to come up with their own opinion and do whatever they want to do because nobody can control me and I do whatever I want and whatever he says doesn't dictate what I do and so I mean it just depends on the person and how willing they are to learn and be teachable in that moment Okay, absolutely. And, and in these moments, whenever we say, I want to do something new, um, are, we, are we able to create that newness as a human, human being? Like, are we able to really create something new? Uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes both talk about there's nothing new under the sun. And when we think we're really doing something new, are we are we really creating something new? Are we, are we creators as human beings? Are we creators? Let me ask it that way. No, we're inventors. God's the creator. Yeah, so we're inventors and God's the creator. Who is it that plants, like, whenever we have an idea, who's the one that puts that idea inside of our head? Whether we're a follower of Jesus or we're not, who's the one that puts those ideas in people's heads? Is it something that we just magically invent and come up with on our, on our own? Or is it something that maybe even birthed in us from the time we're in our mother's womb? I, you never know. I mean, uh, a lot of people, like um, was Isaac Newton, he believed, like he's one of the greatest scientists, and we're, we know him for all his science work. But he originally wanted to become a pastor mm -hmm. and that was his whole job. Like and he was praying to God and reading scripture. And when reading scripture, he saw things that the Bible would talk about. And so he's like, Hey, I'm going to experiment with this. Yeah. And that's how we have a lot of our breakthroughs from science is because he was reading scripture and praying to God and then doing these experiments. He wasn't wanting to be known for his work in science. He wanted to be known for his faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. But as a result of his faith in Christ, he was able to make breakthroughs in man's eyes. Yeah. 
And I think that's an important point that you're bringing up there, Xavier, because the reality is that with Jesus, uh, with God, and speaking into our hearts and, and having these um, inventive moments where we're able to cr- um, um, bring forth a product that has never been seen before on this side of heaven uh, is, is, is an amazing feat of, 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 of human nature, if you will, or human ingenuity. And yet, at the same time, it does reveal exactly the beauty of how great our God is and how creative he is and how amazing he brings forth things from what is nothing into something. And that's the thing about man, basically, is, is we can't create something from nothing. God create. he speaks and it can appear. And, and, and that's what I think is so important about the crowd here in this moment when they see Jesus. Here it is, the, the, let's not forget, it's the Feast of Booths and they're all gathered together in Jerusalem and they're, and they're worshiping this event, this seven-day event where they're all together and they're hearing the teaching of Jesus and they're in awe of his authority and command of Scripture, how wicked smart he is, if you will. And it's just like the people are just like, wow. This is amazing, and there's people that come away from that moment with belief, and there's people that come away from that moment with unbelief at the same time, and it's no different today. We come away from certain uh, events and moments of our lives where there is a belief and there is an unbelief in that same. We can be standing next to somebody. We can witness the same thing, and one person, it will increase their faith, and another person, they'll just be like, ah, that didn't mean nothing to me. And, and yet we get offended by that at times because we think everybody should think like we do. And that's why I wanted to bring out the importance of how a personal belief is different from a community or a crowd-like belief is because it's a decision I have to make, but yet it's a decision that as I follow Jesus, I'm also entrusted within returning and sharing the truth and the, and the knowledge that I'm gaining from Jesus with my community and with my fellow man. Uh, secondly, another part that I see, is there anything that uh, you guys wanted to elaborate on uh, within this, uh, what we're talking about right now? Okay, so secondly, I see that Jesus is continuing to draw our focus um, to the fact that he and God are one. In verse 28 and 29, he says, I did not come of my own power and accord. Uh, He says, he who sent me is true. I come from him. He sent me. And in, then in verses 33 and 34, and then reflected again by the people, they repeat his words in verse 36. He says, I'll be with you a little longer. I'm returning to the one who sent me. You will seek but not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. And Jesus, in these moments, there's two things that, I, that really stood out to me as I was reading and preparing this week, and that is Jesus is foretelling his death, yet he's also foretelling his resurrection, and he's also foretelling of where he is today, June the 21st, 2020, at the right hand of the Father. He is with God. He is God. And I think that's so important for us to recognize that there is no one, no other religion, no other faith in this world that proclaims that that God became flesh and then that flesh suffered and died for the atonement and for the redemption of our sins. And then that person rose from the dead and today sits alive 
at the thr- in the throne room of God. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this passage of Scripture. Secondly, I also notice that there's another foretelling, and this isn't a foretelling by Jesus himself, but it's a foretelling by the crowd. Did you see that in, uh, in the verses... Uh, at the end, I think it's verse 30, uh, 35, the crowd says, um, uh, the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? And this is a foretelling of the message of Christ that is going to spread throughout the world. Um, they they, as a crowd, recognize the importance of Jesus being proclaimed to the Greeks. And now when they talk about the dispersion of the Greeks, this is in reference to the fact that, yes, there was history that appeared before Jesus. Jesus is not the start of history in this moment where he's teaching on earth. And so when they're saying the dispersed Greeks, they're talking about those that Alexander the Great had taken when he conquered the known world at that time and spread people all over the world, even into Egypt, even over into Pakistan and Punjab and India. Alexander brought people all over the place and they're asking, is Jesus going to leave us and go to those that are dispersed around the known world because they recognize the importance of the message that he was teaching. And so they, the people are foretelling of the message of Christ that is to be spread all over the world. And this is just absolutely fascinating to me because sometimes we think that this is a modern day thought or this is something that just came across within the last couple hundred years with a modern day missions movement or something like that. But this is something that was proclaimed in the gospel message where the people, not Jesus, Jesus, the people are saying he's going to go to those that are not Jewish. He's going to go to the Gentiles. He's going to go to the Hellenistic Greeks. He's going to go and proclaim himself to them and not recognize, they aren't recognizing that that was their job to do in that moment. They just knew that if Jesus be lifted up, all men would be drawn unto him. And that's exactly what happened on the cross. He was lifted up on the cross and all men were drawn unto him. And so I think that these two things, really they stand out to me today, um, is, is that Jesus is one with the Father, and so he's teaching us that we can be united with him with the Father through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit gives us the help that we need so that we can too be called sons of God. I think that's important for us to recognize you are a son of God. Blair, you're a son of God. Mallory, you're a son of God. Xavier, you're a son of God. And then, and then Mallory goes, wait a second, I'm a girl. But think of the, the, the importance of that. Think of the fact that the son is the one that receives the inheritance. The son is the one that the father loves more than the rest of his children. And not just that, the firstborn son, that's what he calls you. He calls you and says, you're my beloved child and I love you and I give you an inheritance. I, give, I, I want to give you eternal life. And so um, I find that so fascinating that then this message of idolatry doesn't give someone peace. Money doesn't give someone hope. And power doesn't give somebody love. Jesus is our peace, our hope, and our loves, and our loves, our love. And, and this is a vital message to us today that we can have hope for tomorrow 
hope for today, hope over yesterday in Jesus. We can have peace in this moment, even with a war uh, looking like it's starting to rage just a couple of, uh, a hundred kilometers away from us right now on the Chinese border, uh, or, or on occasion, we have one that looks like it's going to raise up here on the Pakistan border. I mean, people have been clashing all week on the Chinese border, and yet Jesus brings peace to us. In the midst of this pandemic that we're all going through right now, in the, in the anxiety, the anxious moments, the, the things that cause us to fret and fear, Jesus brings us peace. And, and, and in those moments where we have a, just this boiling up anger or hatred or, or whatever it is, just a complete frustration of what's going on today in our life, whatever that may be, whatever is going on in your life today, Jesus gives us love. He wraps himself, his arms around us, and he says, I love you and I chose you. And so I, I, I just want to ask a, a few questions here and, and, and we'll come to a close. And that is, um, what stands out to you from, to, what stands out apart from or along with what I'm talking about here, what stands out to you from this passage of scripture? It's not one that's normally preached. It's not one that people, this is one that pastors usually let uh, um, uh, just go by that you're supposed to study it on your own and then the people in the congregation don't normally study it. Um, but is there anything else that stands out to you or anything you wanted to elaborate on what, um, on what maybe I brought out today? Is there anything that just grabs your attention and you're like, oh man, I really need to, I really need to say something about this passage? I mean, whenever you're talking about people doubting and you were saying that people were saying, oh, well, God's not that great. I can do just what he's doing. And it reminded me of Nani, our grandma, one of her favorite jokes to tell. And it's a scientist challenges God. And he says, the scientist says, I can create Earth just like you did. And God accepts the challenge. He's like, okay, so create Earth. And so the scientist says, all right, first I'll start with the dirt. And God said, get your own dirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because God created everything right. and scientist is just inventing on what God has already made. Mm -hmm. Man can't make the elements and all that other stuff on their own. God had already provided it for us. Yeah. And the way as my science uh, schooling tells us is that the way we can differentiate things in the periodic table and all that other stuff is because the earth was created with order. Mm. And that us just over time are building up on our inventions and understanding stuff more. We're really understanding the more of the order that God had created yeah. to earth. Yeah, yeah. And God didn't have to speak out each individual thing. He didn't say, let there be flowers with this and that and that. And like, they have to have petals and pistols and stamen. No, he just said, let there be flowers. And all the complicated stuff was just made. Like, he just spoke it, and everything was automatically created, which is crazy to think. <laughs> it's pretty wild, yeah. There's no doubt. When a new believer comes into the faith, when they ask Christ Jesus into their heart as their personal Lord and Savior, or when someone is just questioning who God is, I always say, hey, read the book of John that's always like the first book to go to. Well, I've read the Bible. I've started out in Genesis and, and that's all I wanted to do. 
But the book of John answers so many questions, and we see Christ Jesus for who he is. And in these passages of scriptures that we're reading today, you were talking about doubt. And this definitely gives one, I mean, if you think about it, if, if you think about where you are where you were in life in the so many questions that you may have had like well what happens to me when i die or what happens to me when i get married or what happens to me if i um, do this and what happens to me if i don't do this you know what are the consequences it's always man is always wanting to push the limits or push the boundaries of how far can one go oh this christianity would be so much easier if i just had a whole set of rules well would it because then those rules you would want to constantly break all the time. Yeah. So being so being able to come to uh, the Lord in prayer daily, it doesn't have to be at this set of time. You know, it doesn't have to be like at five, seven, two, and seven. It can be we pray to God any time of the day we want. Yeah. Lord, I don't feel like what I'm doing right now is right. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, and it, it's okay to question those things. It's okay to come in those moments of doubt and, and and leading and asking Christ first. And then sometimes we may ask a stronger brother or sister in the Lord of, what is your opinion on this? And they may give you an opinion and it may be so way out there that it's not even scriptural that it's like, okay, they obviously had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> so I'm gonna come back to the scriptures and reread hmm. again and and ponder it and then as you spoke on last week about the discernment of having the holy spirit trigger in us of hey you know this isn't right or hey okay keep going and moving forward because you know the the best roadmap of life is the bible and the best way to question you know our our struggles and our you know times of grieving and or depression and or etc is always coming to the Lord um, and, and to the scriptures because he will give this the answer because Christ Jesus has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he doesn't sugarcoat things. Yeah. He doesn't make it all look like candy and rainbows and chocolate truffles. Uh, he, makes it, he makes it wonderful. And when those times of hurt, when those times of separation of why did my parents get divorced? Does my dad really love me? Love me? Does my mom love me? Do my brothers love me? You know, when I am married for 15 years, will I get a divorce? You know, what am I going to, you know, be a harm to my children? Um, if I've been abused or if I've been sexually abused, will I put those things upon my kids? Will, you know, what I'm going through, am I putting all of that onto my children and stressing them out and causing so much pressure on them that they're going to grow up and be unstable in life? I can think like that, but I know what God's word says, and, mm. and that is not who God called me to be. Right. I, I'm, I'm chosen by him. Right. I'm loved by him. Yes. I've been forgiven by him, mm. and I'm a child of God ultimately, mm. and I'm to follow him and him wholeheartedly. And also in that, as a parent, I'm to place my children into his hands and they are to develop their own personal relationship with Christ. It's not me. I can't force it. I can only lead by an example yeah. and continue to grow in my own walk with the Lord 
and to encourage in ways that I can encourage, but those around me, my friends, you know, or, or my loved ones or, or those that I come in contact with daily, uh, you know, may I be an evident example of who Christ is. Yes. And, um, because that's what Jesus has demonstrated as both man and as both man, as God here on this earth of, we can question the good and the bad and the ugly. And may I be a person, a safe person that someone could come to me and ask me the good and the bad and Mm -hmm. the ugly. And may I forever point them to Christ's fame Mm -hmm. and to God's word and not ever be ashamed of who Christ Jesus is because it's his glory that, you know, we want to ultimately shine. Yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. And then, um, just a, a few more, uh, a few more questions. And this is maybe even rhetorical for, for us to just ponder this week. And that is how, how do the words of Christ cause you to grapple with whom he is? How do the words of Christ in this passage or just any passage uh, cause us to grapple with whom he is? And, and Blair was just kind of really describing that when she, when she was just sharing with us. Um, next, do you find it fascinating that the crowds recognize the importance of Jesus going to the other tribes and to the Greeks? Definitely. Did you say, is it fascinating? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating because they, they knew they knew of him. They yeah. knew who Jesus was. They knew his reputation. They knew, hey, I mean, of course, why wouldn't he go all over the world and, you know, and proclaim, you know, what he, what he was called here to do. Yeah. And so he built up that reputation. People knew who he was. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. So, yeah, it is. It's one of those, like you said, to, to grapple with, so to say, right. of how fascinating um, Jesus is in his heart and love for all mankind, yeah. not just one mankind, but all mankind, and that he loves us way more than the earth that he created here. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. And then just my last question is, is whom do you believe the message of Messiah is for? And, 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 and I mean, it's an answer that we've given multiple times. I think all th- three of us that have spoken today have even given that. And, uh, but is it something that you, you believe? Do you believe that the message of Christ is for all? Um, the Bible talks about it, that it is. I believe, no doubt it is. And, and it's something that I want to be an example of to my friends. I, 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 wear, my, I wear my Philippians 4.13 uh, active faith uh, shirt to play basketball at least once or twice a week. And then I have a couple of others that I also wear that are active faith shirts and they have scriptural verses on them. And the guys I play basketball with um, are such, such generous and great guys. And, and they read them and they read them to me and they look at me and they go, Oh, Oh, you, you can do all things through Christ. Okay. Okay. And, and it's just so fun to be able to um, proclaim the gospel and something as simple as wearing a t-shirt Um and letting people know where you stand. Uh, it's not just something that has to be verbalized. And I definitely don't want to um, shame my, my fellow basketballers into, um, into belief like I believe. 
I want them to question. I want them to doubt. I want them to go through the same kind of struggles that, not the same struggles I went through, but the same kind of grappling, I should say, that I went through in order to say, you know what? Jesus is my Lord and he's my Savior. And that's what I want for my community. That's what I, I want for my friends. That's what I want for my family is I want, I want to be somebody that is a catalyst uh, to cause us to grapple with who Christ is and to come to a stronger faith as a result. And, uh, and I hope that's your prayer today because, I, and I just want to, I want to conclude with this. We are God's sons. We are all sons of God um, when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we have faith in him and when we proclaim him as Lord of Lords, King of Kings, our master. And so today you, uh, I want to encourage you listeners, you are sons of God. Be proud of that and continue to increase your faith in him. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day. And right now, it's really dark. And so um, that we will all be able to be safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.